the energy field podcast cool so just wait for it to start ticking okay so this is the energy field podcast uh today i'm joined by uh two of my favorite favorite uk hardcore djs it's uh fracas and darwin um hi hello (laughs) how's it going guys is everything going all right how's lockdown treating you uh, it's all right. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's, everything's fine. Yeah. Um, no, different for us. We just get we just do music all the time. So yeah, I was going like, to say like uh, some DJs they're like um, they're like relishing lockdown. Do you know what I mean? Because you're like you can be extra productive and just get loads of stuff done, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, we've been really busy, haven't we? So apart from the gigs, really, like it's not a massive departure from our normal lives anyway we used to be oh. kind of locked up in a room for yeah, five say. days a week or six days a week anyway okay so, um and what about not having the gigs like uh have you had to like did you have to get a job at audi stacking shelves or anything like that or just to, to we've been quite of, lucky actually yeah. we've both managed to be able to carry on just with like the production side of things and um and all the other bits and pieces we do but yeah i'm really really missing the gigs like badly well i yeah, was you know, within a few weeks but there was kind I of i think it's not being it. able to to road test the tunes isn't it like yeah. we do all this music and then you just can't test it on the dance floor and there's little things that you kind of notice when you play stuff out um that you like you'll go ah, oh, i need to get back in the studio and tweak that and you can't do that so there's been like lots of releases that we have that where we haven't been able to test them fully fully okay so like if you're um if you say you guys have made a new tune and you're like, oh, we love this. Like, will you not put it out until you've tested it on a big rig like a couple of times? No, uh, never, we never. We would, we'd probably play oh. it for about two or three months before because we always end up going back to things. There's like version 26, version 27 of all yeah. the tunes. And then like finally, even things like you can just, you can listen to them in the car and on your phone and all that. But until you played it in a club, like there's just that little bit of kind of, you need to see it work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I was going to say. It's been denied to us. It's like, it's a bit weird to, to be putting stuff out. Like you, we've, we've tried as hard as we can to make sure everything's, you know, where it needs to be, but there's no excuse. Um, there's no substitute for playing it to people and seeing how they react. So what, what do you, what do you notice more when you're listening to it? Because obviously like you've probably got earplugs in. What, what do you notice more when you're playing it on a, on, in a, in a big club compared to your studio speakers? I think it's in general balance, isn't it? And bass and stuff, isn't it? Like you always find with bass and and the balance, there's certain things that might sound quite clear, like on your monitors, um, like the leads, for example. But then when you play it out, they're kind of overpowered by the bottom end. Uh, So it's that balance, right, where not only is it like punchy and bassy, but all the elements are actually standing out. And you don't want all the elements, you you know, the, the sort of vital elements to get lost. So you kind of go back to stuff and go, oh, I can I can nudge that up a bit or yeah. nudge it down. Maybe it's a bit too loud or whatever. But um, yeah, those things really, really help you know, sort of playing them out in clubs and stuff. So, so have you got any, um, obviously, like everyone's kind of easing back uh, into uh, where everyone thinks we're all going out in like a month. Everyone's like, Woo-hoo, we're all going yeah, out. I, like, I really wish we were. I, well, I, I, I'm optimistic. I'm going to stay optimistic. But um, yeah. I'm not going to count any chickens until I see some stuff actually happen because have there's have all you got some of... gigs. We've got stuff Someone's in the diary. Yeah. Gig, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. I'm going to wait and see. I think. Before... You got, have you got any like actual uh, concrete bookings for when it all kicks off or. Uh... 
We've got stuff in for July and August. Okay. Um, apparently, we're supposed to be in Spain. I think in June, maybe. I just, I don't know. I really don't know. I'm, I'm not kind of. I'm assuming that stuff's happening until I'm told otherwise. But yeah, it's. Um, and, and when you f- like finally get on some decks in over a year, are you going to be like, oh shit, I need to play that track from february last year because i haven't played that out in a club yet is that going to be the mindset or are you just going to play what you what you made in the last month or something like that you know i think i think we're definitely going to go back to a few bits and play them because obviously yeah. it'd be a shame not to like let people because a lot bear in mind a lot of people bought these tracks so they're already listening to them so it'll be a shame if they go out and then not hear them out loud yeah and stuff so we probably will be playing new stuff and a few bits from that that we've already done over the past sort of 12 months so we'll be in the unique position where we can play an old school set for the first time because it was, <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean they'll all be kind of so old and sick but we'll have never played them out i don't know yeah probably be yeah just be a mixture of everything really so uh, there'll be so, a lot of vips of stuff as well i reckon because we'll we'll play some of the stuff out that we've been you know happy with for the last 18 months and we'll have to release a vip where the hi-hats like half a db <laughs> or something like that just give it away for free i was i was sort of like i'm I'm really glad that you guys like decided to do this because like um i always thought you guys have really good voices for podcasts i don't know if you agree with me because most people hate their own voice but you guys like my voice yeah yeah, but (laughs) when i listen to you guys on the on the hardcore underground podcast i'm like you you guys not you guys have a face for radio kind of thing but like you guys have got good voices (laughs) for this kind of thing do you know what i mean i don't know if you agree with me (laughs) <laughs> it's because we spend most of our time just talking this kind of nonsense anyway regardless of whether anyone's recording it like in the car on the way to gigs and stuff like that so i suppose i don't know you got you get used to the sound of your own voice i it's just from doing it for years and doing radio and all that and yeah yeah i don't i don't think either of us like it but it's a sort of it's got to be done hasn't but, it yeah once you get past it i remember being about must be about 10 and i was at school and we did some little project and it was where they'd record, you know, you know on t- tape players, yeah, yeah. Um, and they play it back to you, and you're like, that's not what I sound like, surely. Yeah. I know what take, you mean. takes a bit of getting past, but I get, I, I always feel like I'm really, unless I'm, um, I get all nasally, like, and then I, I always feel like I'm all nasally when I listen to myself back. I'm better when I've had a few drinks, like, like this this is the first podcast that i've done where i haven't been drinking alcohol so i'm just hyped up on day because i don't know where to be well it's, it's a bit early it's a bit early in the day isn't it like what time do you guys usually start drinking <laughs> anytime now is <laughs> i mean after 11 uh, it's still a little bit taboo isn't it like yeah, i haven't actually been drinking that much since no? like the, the lockdown really i mean don't get wrong i have had the odd bit here and there but not I mean, the gigs have kind of been like a bit of a sort of, they're not just gigs. They're kind of like, oh, it's a bit of like, I'm going to let my hair down. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I yeah. don't really drink at home much. No. no. You go, I kind you of go. like to be in the right environment for it, if that makes sense. You know, like with the, the events and stuff and sort of it, not just going for the gigs, but kind of enjoying the gig with everybody else as well. So. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, you, obviously you guys have got to like, you drive yourself to gigs and so you can't really have any beers when you're at gigs do you and i, I do you stick around much well, drives, <laughs> i don't <laughs> yeah I don't, i'm the driver um okay. we, i don't know we went through a phase a few years ago where we were really really b 
busy, we would tend to get hotels and stuff because it was all like in, either in between where we were playing. Yeah. We'd find somewhere cheap and just bunk up, get a, a double room with two single beds. <laughs> I was going to say. Just, uh... um, or not, depending <laughs> on the budget. And um, yeah, we'd have a few beers and stuff and stick around. I, I do like sticking around. I do like chatting to people and stuff. And, you know, when you, if you're out every weekend, like you don't really get a chance to kind of have that social side of it unless you stay at the club you're playing at. So yeah. Are yeah, you on... did, but maybe not so much these days because obviously there's nowhere to go. Are you on like a normal sleep pattern now, then, Gaz? Are you like you get like bed by ten? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, well, pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, I get up at seven every single day, and I'm in the studio by about eight or past eight. Um, oh, and then like the missus is furloughed at the minute, so we have like a lunch break and that, and I just just try and stick to like sort of office hours. Do you do the same, do you do the same Nick? I get up, at, uh, my day is I get up at six, I walk the dog, I scream at the kids to get up to go to school, take them to school, come back, do music, go and pick them up, do dinner, do some more music. Wait, you do the dinner? The do, you do, the uh, clean, do you do the cleaning as well? He's a good cook. Yeah, Nick's a really good cook. I, I do a lot. He's well versatile. The, the <laughs> wife is all, uh, I mean, she works, so she's like sort of out, out most of the time, so kind of like we kind of pass each other i was so. going to ask you both actually like what do your partners think of um think of your music like what, what like my, my missus is like you know as soon as i put some free form on she's like turn that shit off <laughs> <laughs> and i was just wondering like what what do your two partners think of your music you know what i mean uh yeah she likes some of it i mean she likes like the clubby stuff um you know like the sort of Darren Styles, the, the older stuff, like the old Clubland stuff, she kind of likes, like the ultra beats and stuff like that. And okay. then um, she listens to sort of garage music and a bit of variety, really. She doesn't listen to one specific genre, but she does like when we do a track, she'll go, Oh, I like that. And then sometimes she'll go, Oh, I don't like that. You know, she's kind <laughs> of like that, really. She'll let you know she's honest. That's what I like about her as well, because she's honest about it. Yeah. She kind of like tells you, like, uh, if it's, you can kind of tell. Like if she's liking something or something's good, she'll tell you. She'll go, "Oh, I like the sound of that." And you go, "Yeah, that's that's working." <laughs> yeah, my missus is more from like the Gabba hard style kind of thing, but she does she does like it, um, and she's the same. She'll she'll tell me honestly like what she thinks of it. I think just since lockdown, obviously being off work and that, she's heard a lot more of the same thing over and over and over for nine hours a day. Yeah. So. Yeah, it gets a bit wearing, I'd imagine, if you're elsewhere in the house and you can hear me playing the same loop for an hour. But <laughs> I've always found like like <laughs> that that was like the one thing which because uh, because I've done loads of collabs with James, like that was the one thing where I was it, it, like impervious to it. Like I could listen. To, uh, why I was such a go- good collabie is because I can genuinely listen to the same drum loop for an hour straight, and I, it doesn't yeah. bother it doesn't bother me that much. No, I think you you get used to it, don't you? But then we're we're listening with a sort of producer's ear because you're listening to the changes you're making. If they're not paying attention, it's just a noise through the wall, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, I sympathise. <laughs> I sympathise for partners all around the world. Yeah. Um. What? Um. You guys are pretty prolific at the moment. Have you? Have you? Because you haven't got gigs and stuff. Have you just gone like producing mad? Are you just like it's just non-stop at the moment for you guys? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah pretty I mean, much. 
Yeah, I don't I don't think I've had a break from it. Not in the past twelve months or so. No. <laughs> the writing really. Um but there's always something to be doing. And you know, even if it's like um not hardcore related, you know, you, you could do some breakbeat stuff or you know, whatever, some slower bits of music. You know, I've been trying different stuff out really and just seeing what, you know, what 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 I like, you know, just see just have a go, experiment a little bit. Yeah. It's great. It's probably it's probably a good time to do it, you know, while the gigs aren't there. You know, yeah. to have a go at doing some other styles really. With all within the hardcore and like sort of freeform area, but just like sort of see what what's around and just sort of like chuck things in the pot, you know, see what happens. It's why we've sort of done quite a bit more of this more experimental end of things. In experimental in inverted commas. Um, because there's a bit more time to do it and it's nice to be able to just sort of switch it up if you if you're in here relentlessly six days a week there's no gigs to sort of break it up like you can switch the styles that's why there's more freeform stuff we've done more breakbeat stuff this year definitely and then yeah mm. like mix it up for things we both do other things we do quite a lot of engineering for other people yeah we do we've got our little sort of sample packs and sound banks and that that we make from time to time you just yeah. like diversify the portfolio really yeah yeah, well, you kind of got to, I think, these days to do anything like this for a living. Yeah. Because it's, it's, there's not really any serious money unless you're in that top so 5%. There's not really money if, you, if you're if you just doing one thing. I think you've kind of got to diversify and do a bit of everything to kind of keep your... Do, do, do you... Like um, so, like, Recon, he he decided to... Uh, he decided to, you know, he decided to... Um, do his thing kind of move away from hardcore have you ever thought oh maybe i should have been a dj for a different genre <laughs> yeah because <laughs> with me I like I, I like i i picked freeform is like like i love listening to drum and bass and playing drum and bass and mixing it but like i've totally sold my soul to the freeform side of things because that's what i like but like i just wish that i liked something where i could make it my full-time job yeah, you know I mean, mm. I do feel like that about drum and bass and maybe trance. I think um, I, if I listen to any large amount of what's going on, it does sort of spur me to go, oh, I should be doing this. I should be mm. doing this. But nothing. I don't like anything else as much as I like hardcore. Yeah, I don't. I mean, hardcore as in all of the different types of it. I just nothing else kind of moves me the same way. And we've had this conversation before haven't we Nick, when we've done bits for yeah. our artist albums that's a different styles like we do like doing bits and pieces and diversifying but nothing quite comes close to that and i think it's got more kind of, freedom to do something it, like this big. yeah you've got so much freedom and if you're going to do something like this for a living you kind of want to do the thing that you're most passionate about i suppose so that's for that i totally that's agree hard. like playing uh, freeform in a club is much more fun than playing drum and bass in a club for me like just because yeah. it's got more energy and stuff like that and uh i'm usually pretty smashed because like the new the new new decks and everything like allows me to get a lot more loose <laughs> so yeah. but before it was like it was like i used to have to say say if uh i was playing the last set or something like that i'd like i'd be like i might just stay sober for this you know what i mean i don't want to do a really shit job but now the decks are like they tell you your tempo all the readout everything and it's like yeah now i can have a few lagers you know <laughs> that's it <laughs> press the autopilot button and drink yeah away. exactly well i find like if you do most of the preparation like beforehand like I, i'm always like oh i want to play this i might throw this in like uh, yeah like it, you can kind of 
I don't know. It's just a lot easier when you actually get on some decks. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think DJing in general, I think a lot of DJs can enjoy themselves more these days compared to sort of like mid-90s guys where they're using turntables. Yeah. I mean, that, that must have been so difficult. Yeah. Like, you know, to actually pull off like a really tight set. And <laughs> like they, they probably didn't even have like, you know, probably didn't even obviously mix in key and stuff like that either. Yeah. So it must have been quite difficult to turn up, play a really tight set and not be stressed <laughs> Well, yeah, like Alex Bailey, he played um, like a one-off vinyl set. I love hard beats. This was like um, a, a couple of events ago. And he like beforehand, he was like, actually, I shouldn't have agreed to this. You know, in my head, I was like, this is going to be fun. You know, this is going to be cool, these old records. But it, it was actually like so much legwork to mix a, a proper set. And they're jolting around and they're all over the place. And he was like, yeah, never again. <laughs> Just never again. <laughs> No, I think it's all right if you've got like a really cool setup and everybody that night's playing off vinyl and they keep people off the stage and mm. there's no drinks or anything like that. But I've played the I think the last vinyl set I played is about five years ago, um, just for a, a mate's little thing in Leicester, and that was just like it was carnage. It was really really hard, and I, I played off vinyl <laughs> in front of people for like for lit, probably literally a decade. I think the last time I did it was when we did that thing down in Eastbourne, Nick, and I played an old school. Thing off vinyl. That was like ten years ago. <laughs> yeah, about ten years ago. Uh, it just um, flies by. <laughs> I just yeah, I just got the twelve tens out at home, set them up, and like played for about an hour. And I was like, yeah, I still got it, man. Let's go. <laughs> Put him in a bag. Got to the club, on, and it was the same as Alex. I was just like, why did I do this? Why yeah. did I agree to this? And it was really horrible. And yeah, I've sort of muddled through, but yeah, I wouldn't do that again in a hurry. I don't think. It's been it's been a long time since I've seen you guys actually DJ. So like, what when when you're both back to well, obviously you back to back all the time. But like, what's the order? Do you go? You get one, I get one. We get a deck each, or do you, are you like? Oh, I'm feeling this. I'm going to take two of these we, tracks. Or... We've always just done it like in the order of the name. I, I like. I don't mind going second. Actually, I, I quite like it. And obviously, Gaz gets all the stress. <laughs> yeah, there's something wrong with the monitor or the mixer's not working properly. That's my department to sort of fix that there's always a little moment in it we said this the other week when we talked to someone there's always a little moment where you'll you'll tap me or something just after we start and you'll be like is it all right I'm like, yeah there's <laughs> just like that little second just to quell that you never know how many yeah, times have we turned up to set up you'll know this because obviously we've spoken about his lows but there was one particular set and it was quite a big one and it was down in Bournemouth and uh yeah there was obviously like 1200 plus people but the the, the the decks were going out of, out of time like they're constantly moving all mm. the time so you couldn't get any mix to stay still so you constantly had to fiddle with it and everyone's on the monitor that night as well that was horrible i, I have yeah. a i have a remedy for that because i managed to work around when, when like it's just not working uh 12 bar intro into a boom that will fix yeah. anything <laughs> like say because yeah. say they lumber you like you guys must have been lumbered with like some djs where you're like i don't know this guy why have they stuck me back to back with this guy <laughs> and then like they're, they're giving you a track which you don't even know what it is if you have a 12 bar intro into a boom you can just get out of any track at any point in time although i'm, yeah. I'm sure you guys probably knew that right <laughs> Well, there's, I mean, you can always say something with a short intro, can't you? Say, you know, yeah. short intro to the boom. Yeah, job done. I think that is what we ended up doing. We were just like, what's what's really easy to mix? It was horrible. Yeah. It was a really horrible experience because it was, I think, it was one of. It wasn't the first time we'd played at that venue, but I think it was one of the first times we'd had a good set time. 
there. Yeah. And like it wasn't just us, to be fair, everybody struggled that night. Everybody but it that was night. yeah, it was just a horrible experience to be like, oh, you know, we kind of wanted this for so long and we've now finally got this platform and like yeah, tools aren't there to kind of do what we want to do. It was horrible. But, so what what's the um what's the biggest crowd that you guys have played to? I don't know. Mm. Probably be one of the early West Fests, maybe. Or yeah. Mexico, and what, it was definitely Florida, Florida wasn't there? Was it Tampa? That was Tampa Bay. Big. We've done a few times. That's about five thousand, I think. And do you, um, do you get do you get nervous when like the more people there are, or do you, or do the nerves just not come anymore? You're like, hey, I've got Nick with me, or I've got Gaz with me. I'll be fine. I, we, we, I still we still get I still get a little bit nervous, so, yeah. but that's mainly because of what could go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I think you. I think if you don't get that wrong. little kind of um, the butterflies, I don't think you're still excited enough. I think that's part of DJs that you've got that kind of uh, um, that kind of angst. But yeah, I don't. I wouldn't say we get nervous because of the crowd or anything. Now I think it is just like, please, can everything just work and not break? Or <laughs> very true. Because you you might get a DJ before you who's like twiddling every single button that's going on there. And then even things like um, uh, headphones don't work, decks aren't plugged in yeah, right. Like there's so, uh, or oh, the worst is like a, a, a Q button which is stuck in, with, or or is sticky, a sticky Q button. Not good. Not good. We had one. We, had, we talked about this again the other week. Um, we played Manchester at some point a couple of years ago, and I think two tunes into the set, the the little gold thing on the end of the headphones broke but it broke off in the mixer so there was no <laughs> way of getting it out and we had to just mix over the system for like using the monitors minutes. yeah just and i remember it being really and... loud as well and i forgot my earplugs and it was just like ear but like, my ears were just like throbbing from like the bass just, there were speakers yeah. right next to us and it was just like oh man not only that is it painful horrible. but we can't even mix properly <laughs> i called the wrong called the wrong usb out um from the dj before or when it's been linked when that first started happening um and i didn't i'd never used the link thing before it used to really confuse me <laughs> so i'd end up being like, right so that's playing on there that, that and you'd just be like right so it must be safe to take this one out then <laughs> nope. yeah sure yeah that. oh jesus but um is, is that the worst thing that's happened to you probably yeah yeah dj wise anyway I stopped a, a track during our set by accident. It was obviously where there's two of us mixing and I kind of forgot what, because they're both moving at the same time. And at one point, the, it, it was the older CDJs. I didn't show you the name of the tracks either or anything. So you were just going on like track one, two, three. This is like eight ages ago. It might have been Mark Smith's birthday stomp, one of those. And I accidentally went, boop, stopped the track and it like went dead. And I was like, oh, shit. What, what, do you do? what do you do in that situation? Do you pretend like you meant to do it? or no, I just turn around and blame the MC. <laughs> yeah, just hold your hands up and look at the deck and go, oh, man. <laughs> I was going to ask rough. you guys, like, um, when, like, HID, like, uh, well, it didn't disappear. It obviously, like, moved to HSU. Like, uh, Ravens Reunited kind of, like, became there was a point where that was like the main rave that was always packed is that right and you you oh, guys yeah. yeah you guys are like and how'd you get involved with the ravers reunite guys were you just in the scene and it just went from there yeah we've known them for years um it was one of the part i think we played one of the very first ones at the emporium mm. um but obviously it's a lineup that everybody wants to be on 
Um, in fact, like I think Johnny's I did a back-to-back with um, Sharky at that one. Okay. I remember. A long time ago. I think that was, me and Sharky did a back-to-back. And that was the only back-to-back I ever did with him, I think. Yeah. I think. Yeah, it was actually, yeah. Well, he's one of those DJs that can like, like, no matter how smashed Sharky always was, he was the one which could mix two pieces of vinyl flawlessly together while yeah. absolutely uh, while absolutely off his face and i was always like oh it's not fair really <laughs> i t- i have to be like pretty sober to like do a really good mix <laughs> so yeah no he's he's definitely got the autopilot thing nailed there's a few but that's i suppose years thing, of practice though isn't it yeah, yeah to be able to do that um you know you think about kinetic and places like that that all those guys used to play what kind of mayhem that used to be um yeah you kind of cut your teeth in a place like that you can probably mix anywhere so um i i actually do have like because you're i'm not like playing down like ricky or anyone like that you guys are like my next step for podcast you're like like i would consider you guys in the top tier like up there so it's really nice you're on here but like how did you guys uh how do you guys get together what for as from the start or like right you know take me right back to the start it's hard because like to to, well, I know when the first time I worked with Gaz, because I remember um, CDJ, um, Jonathan Goulding, drove you down. And we actually did a track that didn't come out. Yeah, and, with Adam um, Johnson it was. You had it? a we set at Rave Babies. No, no, yeah, you had a set at Rave Baby that weekend. And I think he might have drove you down to mine to do um, a track with yeah. Ant Johnston. But we didn't actually finish it. I think we have given it away, but we didn't finish it. And then that was the first time I met you. Yeah. But I'd already heard of you off the back of um, sort of Hardcore Heaven albums, um, those early ones, because you had a few tracks on there with Gavin G. And that's where I saw your name. And obviously John had RFU recordings and that was, um, had licenses on there as well. So it was via John I met you. But that, that obviously the Facts and Dying thing didn't happen until a few years later. Yeah. That was, I think that was, that must have been about 2005. So, yeah, we just kind of we wrote sort of um, for the same labels, and we used to talk quite a lot. I used to send you my stuff; you'd send me your stuff. Yeah. and obviously because we were talking to the same people and <clears throat> and John and Clive and people like that that were sort of in and around, and we started the Hardcore Underground album series and that back then as well. Yeah, um, we we used to sort of get booked for the similar gigs and and things like that, and it it sort of became um, they used to do this thing called the Hardcore Heaven Awards, which was like a sort of like the ravers would vote for who was the best dj best mc and all this stuff and they had a category on there called the best breakthrough dj and it was kind of not actually by the by slamming the people that ran it but by some of the other promoters it became a bit of a thing like a stick that people would use to kind of beat you with if you hadn't sort of performed well or you hadn't won this award it was like oh you can't be on the main stage because you know the people who won it we went through them didn't we when we were talking to somebody the other day about it i think it was recon won it gamma won it joey riot won it um squaddy yeah. there's quite a few squaddy, it? it was like it was it was all people who was sort of really um hitting the spot and then as a result of winning that they sort of got a leg up onto those main stages and one of the years i think it must have been 2009 um we basically split our vote between us we kind of worked out that if we teamed up for the year we'd be able to sort of pull our fan base, I hate that word, but pull the people that were interested in voting for us. Why do you hate that word? 
because it's just real like oh come on you guys have got loads of fans yeah but it's like a management speak word um i I think i think you could justify it gaz i think you're big enough to deserve to have a fan base so well so (laughs) it's very kind of you to say so so we thought well we'll pull those um together and we'll just push you know if we're a duo we'll have strength in numbers kind of thing and it was literally it, it was 2010 we we decided to start taking gigs as Fracas and Darwin sort of exclusively and kind of not do things on our own um, with a view to winning this award uh, really sort of have a push for it we did like a cover mount CD didn't we for the Raven Eye magazine as a duo which I think we'd, we'd done an album together the year before um, it was but it was only ever kind of meant to be like a temporary thing to get this award to win it so that we just didn't have to have people come up to you and go well why you know we can't put you here because you haven't done this and we just wanted to win it and then never think about it again but actually we kind of quite enjoyed <laughs> the sort of camaraderie of it and we found that when we wrote music together it was it was you know we were sort of better than the sum of our parts um how did you go about winning it were you canvassing doors and stuff like that or <laughs> yeah door to door with clipboards and raving <laughs> icds um no just we just did loads and loads of gigs and we wrote um an artist album together which came out at the back end of that year. And it was just momentum off the music, wasn't it, really? Because yeah. there was quite a quite a few releases. But that it was that um the build to the artist album, you know, as well. We were kind of getting that ready. So I think I'm pretty sure balancing that came out just after it. Because we had already like December, was, yeah. Yeah. So there was a build up to that particular album. So we were writing music um on for that album. And obviously playing it out at the same time and building up to that album. But obviously we had um, HU. We had already done a, a mix together by HU4 as well. Yeah. Did you that did you feel like, like end of 2009? Was was that a good time for you guys? Like 2009, like around that? Because I know it's like it, it it fluctuates like the hardcore scene, don't it? It's like peaks and troughs. Like there were there were points where I was raving in. 2005 and up to 2010 and i was you know all the places were packed they were packing out the nec and stuff like that and it definitely obviously without covid it definitely feels like a slight more dip do you guys feel that um there's definitely been a dip there's there's no point denying it is there over (laughs) over the the sort of past even 10 years you could say there's been a a slight decline and it's i I mean it's hard to tell with hardcore because you think there's well, and for reform as well. It's hard to tell whether there's going to be a rise and, and or another dip. It's really hard. It, mm. Sometimes it, it feels like quite it a has- shift, I think. like Because yeah. we were saying, um, I think it was December 2010, like Facebook memories remind you what you're doing. I think we had 10 gigs that month or 12 gigs that month, including three on New Year's Eve, which just is insane now. That is a lot think, of gigs. To think that there was ever that many gigs you know, we probably wouldn't do that in three, four months now, um, you know, the way things are and even just, just before COVID. So, yeah, it's definitely taken a, a hit. But then I feel like, I don't know, we've kind of found our feet with the with the labels a little bit more and with the music a little bit more. And so I kind of enjoy the music that we're making and the sort of what's going on in the studio more now than I did then but yeah in terms of like the captive audience now i suppose yeah i mean it's definitely got smaller you can't deny but then i don't think that's just hardcore either i think yeah i think it's happened club dues in general um, i think the big festivals of of, uh, sort of i won't say they're killing off the club scene but a lot of people are saved a lot of ravers are saving up for 
you know, the, the sort of the big occasions like the festivals, because obviously they're daytime things as well. And they spread across a weekend. So you're not just planning that night. You're planning an entire weekend. It's almost like a holiday for some people. So, you know, I spent a lot, a lot of money saved for things like that. So I think that has taken its toll on the club dues, which are kind of like a little bit more sort of dedicated to the music, you know, shorter times and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I think it's taken its toll that way. And because they're really big, sort of all encompassing things, which is good really for like, if you want to pay your 50 quid for a weekend to go to a festival, mm. then you kind of want to see loads of different things, which is great. But people go to see somebody like maybe Subfocus or Dimensions or something. They don't go and see drum and bass. They go to see those apps. Yeah. And I think because that's happened a little bit, um, sort of more over the last five or six years with the whole EDM thing, I think the genre sort of classification has kind of fallen away a little bit. So people might enjoy hardcore. They might enjoy listening to say Stonebank or somebody like that um, as part of the kind of, you know, maybe Rocket League and Monster Cat or whatever, but they wouldn't necessarily know that that's a hardcore tune. They just like that artist and that style. Mm. And I think because of that in the UK, the kind of the niche, like the rave, the rave scene itself or the hardcore scene and the hardcore only events haven't necessarily benefited from people finding the music that way. So I think the music's still popular, but it's not kind of all in one place like it used to be, you know? Yeah. So how would, uh, how, how would you get some new people or new kids into hardcore? What would what, what would be your your plan if you were going to do that? Get it on the festivals. I mean, you have to yeah. put it in front of the pe- in front of the kids that are currently listening. I mean, if they don't know it's there, then they can't like it. You haven't got a chance to like it. So yeah. I suppose you need to kind of give it the same platforms as like say drum and bass gets. But it's yeah. it, it is it is it's finding the people that are going to support it and do that because it is quite. A, a big leap to kind of like put money into something that you don't particularly know much about. Yeah. You know? so, Drum Race has, um, so you mentioned like Dimension. He, he for me is like, if you were going to get into Drum and Bass, he's like your intro to get into it because he like, he, he pretty much crosses the border between like pop music, Drum and Bass, and then Drum mm. and Bass. So like, if someone was getting into Drum and Bass, said, pretty much listen to his stuff because there'd be some in the charts and the dance charts and there's like some really catchy tunes in there and then maybe you'd like delve a bit deeper into drama bass so i don't know yeah. if like if you could get if you could or oh, make some nick you could probably make some stuff like that for hardcore <laughs> I, 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 it's not that the thing is we have done like we, well we we like to think to ourselves like oh okay you know we've had a go at sort of blending some hardcore bits with this and that yeah and see what happens but it's the platform you, you it's we can write the music it's just getting it to that audience that is the by far the most difficult thing to do because there is no access to that unless you've got a big record label behind you or a big vent behind you yeah so <clears throat> that's where most of the kids are are at festivals or listening to the, the record labels that have got the biggest budget <laughs> have you have you um yeah have you like written any like pop remixes which you really really regret or you wish you didn't do have you got any tracks in the back in the bag like that uh, no, I, not- there's, there's a lot of stuff i regret <laughs> yeah yeah would you care to share um, that with us <laughs> oh all sorts of things um not just the bootlegs actually but just lots of tracks i think the problem with us has always been i think we've had our backs against the wall like time-wise 
um, particularly before we kind of were making um, regular gigs and stuff like that. So there, there had to be a certain turnover of tunes. And I, there's a lot of tunes that ended up going out that I was never 100% happy with back in the day, um, you know, because there wasn't the time to kind of allocate to perfecting them. And I hate that. And I, I wouldn't do that now. I'd kind of, you know, things are ready when they're ready and they get polished. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. This, this. I think every producer is the same, though. I think they all hate a, an element of their old stuff. I know. I know. I've always been that way. Like we, we were saying, we were only really into the stuff we've been doing the last twelve months at any given point. Anything before that, whilst yeah. it's nice to sort of look back, you always listen back to it and be like, oh, "I wish I'd done that differently. I wish I'd done that." Yeah. So okay. if someone did like a Frackett and Darwin tribute mix, you'd probably be like, "I don't want to listen to that shit." Yeah, you know I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, they're, they're off their time. Nick, Nick's much more serene than me. I'm the one that's. Like, oh, I wish we'd never done that. There. Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah. It's, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I listen to old stuff, and I again, you listen back to it, and you go, "Oh, you know, Ooh, that's not quite right." Yeah. <laughs> but um, it is, like I said, it is what it is. I mean, if we, if I, if I didn't go through all of that, we probably wouldn't be writing the music we're writing right now. So it's kind of right. like a learning curve, isn't it? Really? Yeah, so I see. I no see one, you guys no like writing a million dollar production, do they? Like on yeah. their first go. I mean, I've, I haven't heard of anyone do that before. I see. I see you guys like, uh, especially you, Nick, like revisiting old tracks. Is that? Um, is that because you're like you're twiddling your thumbs that day and you're like, oh, I haven't got much to do, yeah, or, or are you like, well, no, I can, I can do a better version of that track. Well, I don't really ever change them that much. When I go back to stuff like, you know, something like Coral Beach or something like that, I, I haven't really changed it. I kind of just made it a little bit clearer. Okay. <laughs> so it's not as, so I'll, I'll go and listen to the older version. I'll go, oh, that's good, but it could be a bit brighter. Yeah. <laughs> so then I'll just kind of recreate it. But that, I've only, I, there has only been, I think there's been a few, maybe a handful, but. Yeah, We've I mean, I just I don't know. Darwin stuff alone, haven't we? We haven't gone back and remixed a great deal of that, actually. Even the original, no. thing, most of that we have kind of let it be. Um, particularly the stuff that went on the artist albums and stuff, we've kind of left that most of the time um, because they are of their time and they sort of fitted with mm. what we were doing and what other people were doing. And what we were well, they were on the artist albums as well, so we kind of want the artist albums to almost stand on their own two feet, regardless yeah, of yeah. them when they are made so you know they, they the artist albums are slightly different to sort of my i'd say my solo stuff so i think the solo stuff is kind of a little bit more rough around the edges yeah and stuff so and you see you guys have been making a little bit of free form is that right well I, we've always liked it the thing is I, yeah but the thing with that free form is that actually like the, the free form stuff and hardcore for me are almost in they're all, they're both all i think so time. too like everyone likes to like split them but like you could get like a well-known uk hardcore producer like ab or someone like that could make them a freeform track give it to them and then they play it and then everyone assumes that it's hardcore just because they made it if that makes yeah. sense like and yeah. they, they wouldn't be like actually this is freeform do you know what I mean they'd be like oh sweet whatever his name has made a UK yeah. hardcore track. So it's, yeah, there's no, you only split it when you start saying that it's this and that, but essentially well, it's kind of the of, same, right? It was all part of the same thing, wasn't it? I mean, when you look at all the, when hardcore was at its peak, um, Freeform, you know, was all part of that. You know, there was loads, the variety of sound, you know, when you had Scott Brown sound, Brisk and Ham, Kevin and Gene Sharkey, there was quite, it was quite a varied sound all night, you know? 
And I think freeform is always been part of hardcore. I, I don't think it would be, it's a, it's a great idea for it not to be part of hardcore. I think it plays a part in it. Definitely. You know, just like techno does, you know, with Scorpio and, and, you know, and people like that, you know, they're, they're part of actually the hardcore scene, even though that they might be in other areas as well. It is actually part of hardcore. The things you can do with freeform as well in terms of sound and stuff, like there are far less sort of restrictions, I think, when you're writing that type of music. And for us particularly, um, you know, with gigs and stuff like that, you kind of don't want to go out and play an hour of the same music every week. We've certainly never wanted to do that. We've always wanted mm. to play a little bit of a little bit of this, a little bit of that, kind of mix it all up together so that it's it's not boring for people. Yeah. And the best way of doing that, I think, is the things you can do with freeform have got more energy than sort of almost anything anything else you can do so why not kind of you know fit those tracks in around the more vocal things or whatever else you're doing and just kind of put it all in together but yeah it is just all hardcore really i mean freeform's just a, a, a it's tag ca- it's kind of the same isn't it i was uh listening to like uh some fracas like some fracas and darwin like in the past couple of days just to sharpen up and there was uh coming to my world uh do you remember that one guys yeah, yeah. I absolutely that love that track. Uh, like, you might not, might not like it anymore because it's quite old. I was but just like, say, yeah, I absolutely cool. love that track, mate. It's, it's absolutely awesome. Thank you. Well, yeah, I mean, things like that, we were always doing them and we never really stopped. Um, you know, I think even on our artist albums, there's always been something that would sort of be a little bit more on that tip. Um, but just particularly this last 12 months, because um, we've had a little bit more time in the studio and it's just a sound we've always really liked and you know we've we found that it's you can fit it in with what you're doing um with the other styles of music you know in a dj set so why not just kind of write more of it and if people want to call it freeform and put it in a box they can but as far as we're concerned it's just sort of hardcore with a slight the rule book kind of torn up a bit you know yeah you don't have to go so much outside the genre i find like it's weird this kind of uh like rave music because uh we we uh, we're always trying to like make something new and make something really interesting but if you go too far outside that you kind of stop making what you're trying to achieve do you know what i mean like we're always like right we're not putting acid in this track and then we'll come to the final mix down <laughs> and we're like yeah do you know what it needs some acid <laughs> yeah. i think it's just you've got to just sort of do what's right for each tune really yeah but yeah, I, I don't think when we've written freeform stuff, we've never sat down and gone, right, we're going to make a freeform tune that has these things. I think we all just start messing around with things and back things back and forth or whatever. And they just become whatever, you know, whatever the track needs to do. I think I don't think you can plan too much music. I've never really planned stuff. You know, it just you kind of start something and see where it goes and. So it needs um, to have acid in it. It needs to have acid in it. it. Yeah, I think most of the time it does need some acid in it. But like when, uh, see, so have you guys secretly rendezvoused or seen each other, or have you literally not sort of not seen each other during lockdown? I think the last time I saw you guys was that like when we were in LA. <laughs> yeah, we've not seen each other for a year now. That was like a, over a year ago. Year. And when you been... the first time I actually seen guys. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys get on the zoom call you know talk to locking, each other you know in the lockdown air we, we still speak pretty much every other day um, yeah. on the phone but we've, we've kind of always done that just to sort of g each other up and yeah say what's you know there's always a sort of little plan for each 
my lockdown hair was just out of control so i decided to go for a straight up darwin kind of vibe but like well you say that right but it was um i didn't actually realize how bald i was going because like my hair was quite long at the front it came right over and i was like hey you got and then i shaved it all off and i'm like oh oh shit this is yeah this is creeping up on me you know it's like like old age is creeping up on me slowly but surely so (laughs) <laughs> I managed to lose the beard for today anyway. So that's, you know. Oh, did, did you shave your beard specially for this? Specially for this, yeah. I did. Well, it wasn't a beard beard like yours, but yeah, I thought I'd make the effort, you know. Oh, I really appreciate that. <laughs> so apart from writing music, what have you been doing with your COVID time? <laughs> um, <laughs> You're like, just I've literally <laughs> just been writing music. Yeah, that's what I've Apart from writing music, you know, watch TV if I get the opportunity. Yeah. But the thing is, I've got like the households, there's kids in the household. So I'm kind of like, if I'm not doing music, I'm getting distracted and someone's asking me to do something. So it's kind of like, there's never any sort of like, oh, I'm just gonna do I, okay, I play games. That's what I do. I play games as well. So, oh, yeah. what, what games are you playing? Uh, I think I'm playing at the moment The Last of Us 2 because okay. I've got only just got around to playing that. So I've been, uh, We've we've been hammering the box sets and all of that um, over the past year. God, couldn't even tell you how many hundreds of hours of TV we must watch movies and stuff. And have you, yeah, have you, just games. Have you done Homeland? I've li- I've like I I've... watched Homeland years ago when it first started, but I just I lost interest in it. Oh, don't say that. Like I I I accidentally put it on on Netflix and uh, watched like. I'm now in C. I'm like, once you get into it, you're into it, and you're like, you know, it's just tunnel vision. I'm now on like season two, episode two, and it's going well. But by you saying, hmm, I lost interest in it, I don't know. I hope I make it, you know. You've got to stick with it, man. Yeah, I, I lack staying power when it comes to things. Like, I gave up on The Wire as well, which I know is like supposed to be one of the best things of all time. But I, I was bitten by Lost. Do you remember Lost? Way back? I remember yeah, Lost. Yeah. Like, I never persevered with Lost, but. Because I was curious about the ending of Lost, I read about it and I was thoroughly disappointed. Yeah, it just it went on and on. And then the, it's like it was almost like they got to the end of the season and somebody gone, guys, you know, you've got another six episodes if you want to try and spin this out. So they've written in some plot twist. So I've just I'm, I've been burned by that now. Yeah, yeah. we've done. We've that done happens those. to all shows, Tom though, doesn't it? Recently, <laughs> um, the missus had not seen Line of Duty, so I had to watch all of those back to back for about three weeks so that she's ready for the new season of that next week you had to catch up i'd, I'd already seen them but i watched them <coughs> again just to refresh my memory I like just to brush up on your lo- line of duty knowledge right that's it do you find my, uh, sometimes they can just go on too long can't they i mean sometimes you know when you get to like season 10 <laughs> it's just ridiculously yeah. what's going on 10 years <laughs> <laughs> yeah they, uh, well, I've, I've been um I'm I'm trying I try that we've only got one TV in our house so like I've been trying to give more control of the TV to the missus so and she's been watching Desperate Housewives but uh, I just can't get into that you know what I mean it's no. not good there's attractive ladies on it no unfortunately not there's attractive ladies on it but it's just it's just, just not my thing you know? yeah I'm not too keen on shows like I just get up and go throughout. I mean, there's been loads. Of, we tried watch the first season of that Snowpiercer thing. Yeah, lost interest in that again now, because um, there's a second season of that. 
Um, we did what's the one in the snow? <laughs> Fortitude. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Um, yeah, I honestly don't know. I, there probably could have been another five or six Fracks and Darwin artist albums this year, I think, if it wasn't for Netflix. Yeah. Do you, are you guys like me? Do you get like why well, do you get distracted by your phone pretty much 24 7 yeah i've literally been looking at my phone like in the corner you, you've been looking at it now yeah well no it's just it's just there and i can see like you know when you get that sort of ding or that rumble and your eyes can't help but go i wonder what's going on i'm doing that at the moment so it's like... i'm pretty upset by that mate your phone should be on silent in these kind yeah. of things it's, 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 i'll be you gazing looking at his phone Look, are you guys it's not silent. noisy it's not but i can I clearly see sight. there's something there yeah. but you're looking here now it's just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, i let you get it's gone it's gone it's really Look bad away. it's really bad like i i genuinely believe that my phone is why i have an, a short attention span for anything like like even like you said box sets and stuff like that like mm. it's just i can't keep attention on anything for more than half an hour before I, I need to move on to the next and i think my phone has done that to me i genuinely do i genuinely i would i would throw mine in the sea if i thought i could get away with it and still like communicate with people on my terms and still get work done and stuff like that i genuinely i hate my phone yeah in terms of i can't i have to have it on vibrate and it just when it buzzes it just it's a constant irritation but i'm like you i feel like i've got to check it every now and again you know just you you have to use it though you have to you you need what what social media platforms are frackers and darwin on are you on everything the main ones aren't we yeah, the main ones. I don't think we're on anything. Like, I, I don't I got rid of Snapchat. No. Snapchat. No. Was there a Freckus and Darwin Snapchat? I think so. One. I think we started one. We started one when we were like. The thing is, it's great if you're in America or something for the weekend, and you can be like, "Oh, look what we're having for." And then in between that, there's like four months where we just <laughs> walked in and out of the <laughs> same room. So it's like, oh, okay. Um, here's my yeah, door maybe, maybe not a good idea to do that We've, yeah. i think we just got instagram twitter facebook and um, who takes like responsibilities YouTube. for all of those like do you split it out are you like gaz you're on insta and nick you you, you can take over facebook or hey, gaz, gaz you pretty much do all the pace don't you, you I mean, do we all discuss them. them but he does all the pace and then we yeah we've both got access to them but we do so yeah i'll just say i oh, maybe i'll throw this up on instagram later on or whatever and We'll, we'll sort of agree what's going to go on the pages. Not that it really matters a lot of time because there's always a plan. We've always we always kind of know what's coming up and what we're going to promote or what we're going to talk about next or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd, we've said this before. So I really find the social media thing as much as I know it's necessary and it's a good tool. I find it that a massive distraction as well. I really don't like having to do all of that side of things. It's brutal. Like uh, I know, uh, it, like. Uh, it would seem like I'm on Facebook all the time, but I feel like I, I saw this um, Instagram um, person and she was like, you need content because not many people are going to see your post. You need to, you need content all the time. And yeah. uh, it's just so like laborious, isn't it? It's like I, once, once I've released a track, like, like Dark World, Nick, like I released Dark World, I did all the promoting, right? And what I should be doing right now is, is following up in the next couple of weeks to say it's here, it's here, it's here, you know, and ram it down people's throats again. Like, like, and it's not because 
I just can't. It's not I can't be bothered. I just don't really want to do it. That's really bad, isn't it? But then the, the thing is, it's like you, you have to do these things to kind of ram them down people's throats. But then at the same point, we've done things before where I think it was, might have been the last Hardcore Evan album we did about nine, ten months ago. I mean, that we really did go to town in terms of like that was posted. It was sponsored on multiple pages. It was like yeah. everybody's profile picture, everybody's cr- um, cover photo even to the point where I was annoying myself, like, oh, better tweet about this again, Do you know, yeah. better remind people it's available. And then a few weeks later, somebody that you know has bought all of the other ones and you know quite well as somebody that supports what you do. So, oh, no way, I didn't know there was a new volume of this out. Exactly. Like, How can you not have seen? Like, But then, you know, if they're not kind of paying attention or the algorithms aren't sort of throwing the right things to them, then, so that's, whilst you know you're annoying people, you're like, you know, even people like that haven't seen it yet. So I better keep going. I, I, I hate it. Really hate it. It's I got I got an instant message uh, literally yesterday from just this guy who was like UK hardcore DJ. And he was like, oh, mate, like I've heard this track. Do you have any more like this? Never heard of you before. And it's just like, what? It's like, I'm not like, oh, someone should have heard of me. But I'm like, Jesus, I've been promoting this stuff. Like, I'm, I'm like, I'm posting in multiple groups. I'm like, I think that I'm fairly out there, but apparently not. So, but then you can sit and you can do that and you can put a graphic up with the date and everything and the name of the track and you can put all the links and then other people can comment and say, blah, blah, blah. And then you'll get the seventh or eighth comment down there, which go, where can I get this? Yeah, 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 yeah. That is a classic one. And it's, I find that so frustrating because. Or just Google it, you know. Like, I've, I've actually seen you like with the hardcore underground, like Facebook, or actually post that under people's comments with the link, even though the link is in the post. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, people uh, they're on their phones and they're distracted they're on the, you know, doing something else, and they just want the instant answer. And I think that's part of it, like you said about the attention span. Everybody just wants everything straight away. It's it's made it hard to kind of not only with the loss of gigs, but like it's hard to promote something and kind of build up to something being released now because everyone just sees something and they just want it straight away. You know, even we were saying about box sets and that, but like they tend to just be out now, like all 10 episodes, you can just stream them and people could just binge them morning and evening. And I think with the music side of things, that's it. People are just, they don't want to tease a clip really. They don't want to kind of save something on Beatport as a pre-order. They kind of just, they want to see it, they want to buy it and they want it there then and they want the link and they just want to click easy and that's it do, so, do you feel like because that's people's kind of mindsets that you just have to keep up with it and keep putting out material and just keep going with it um we've tried to sort of keep the quality over quantity thing definitely the last few years um more than before there was always a pressure i think to kind of keep putting new stuff out and again there's been some things we've done which we like, but would have ideally been able to spend a bit more time on. So the last few years, we've really kind of said, no, things only go out when we're kind of happy with them. And that's, that's that really, because otherwise you end up just regretting it, you know, from an artistic point of view. This is a really good link into, I can't remember the name. It's really bad. What was the um, uh, lockdown sessions, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like, um, what's going on with that? What's going on with that? Well, I mean, it's basically just since lockdown, it's we've done a lot of music for various labels. And it, it obviously they're all over the place. Like, you know, obviously you've got releases um, 
coming out on this side over here and then you've got you know the future proof guys and you've got future breaks and you've got het tech and they're all sort of go in different directions and people were uh, sort of they got their crowd into it and then they they've got their crowd and we just thought to ourselves i oh, wouldn't it be great to have it all in one place where people can sort of you know who like us can actually hear all that music so they might have missed out on a lot of stuff like we're saying with the social media side you know you yeah. feel like you promote and then someone comes up to you and like doesn't know that it was out we kind of want to give that option where you might not have seen it because maybe it's not uh, appearing up on your newsfeed. So we thought we'd do an album where most of that stuff is pretty much there in one package. Nice. I mean, obviously there's going to be some exclusive stuff in there as well um, that we've, we've done for the project, but it's just kind of putting it all together in a, in a way that is kind of like saves people going in different, uh, all over the place. It's all here in one place. Okay, so what's the um, what's the template or the structure of that going to be? It's going to be unmixed, like digi unmixed tracks. Like, how's it going to be? It's both. So it's two DJ yeah. mixes, but instead of doing them together this time, we're doing a, a mix each. Um, okay. Yeah. So they've like the focus has been always to do um, when we've done DJ mixes, we've kind of always kept them as varied as we can. But certainly since we've been doing the hardcore heaven ones. Um, like the break stuff has maybe not featured as much as perhaps we would have liked because obviously we've kind of got a demographic that we're aiming that at and there's only so many spaces on the album so that's kind of ended up being a little bit more mainstream flavored with the mixes we've done for that so we kind of just wanted to do like what we used to do really with the old the original hardcore underground albums that we did together just sort of like nick said just bring everything in from all the different labels that we've been working with and all the different styles of stuff that we've been making and just sort of but budget all together on one mix and um we've both done that so it's two dj mixes but then it's the full tracks as well because it's obviously a bundle sort of deal that's kind of what people expect now so nice is um, there any uh physical product with that or is it uh no just, it, it's um the physical things at the moment it's very tricky because we did an album in september hardcore on eight which was the last physical thing we did um but just the prices and stuff like that at the moment and all of the postage across the world we sell quite a lot of those um, albums go overseas it's it would just be a logistical nightmare to have that and i don't think it would be very fair to do it um, and only make it available to people in the uk yeah um but i also don't want to deal with the international post at the minute because everything's just so <laughs> for, my, for my you're gonna laugh at this like for my very first cd when i did project badass which facebook actually messaged me the other day saying that my page name contained profanities and that they were taking it down i was like i was like you know i don't give a shit like that label's like gone anyway but yeah i when i did my first cd i charged for the cd online but didn't charge anyone for postage and then i like sold the entire bunch of cds like it was like 150 albums sold them and then went to the post office and then she was like right america and That's charged it each. yeah and yeah. she was like 300 pounds for all your postage <laughs> i was like oh shit that was so yeah. that was like the biggest mistake i've ever made definitely it's just like yeah it's a nightmare and it's just um i don't want to uh have to sort of disappoint people and have anybody even if one or two don't turn up that i can't do anything about it that to me is just too much and i think people you know understand that a digital product these days is you know as much kind of attention and passion has kind of gone into creating that as it has 
into CDs before. You know, it's got bespoke artwork. This one's even got like the track list and everything all sort of done as graphics as well that come with it. So it's, um, we've still put, we still approached it as if it was a physical product. Like mm. It's not done in any different way, but yeah, just for the time being, at least there's definitely not, uh, not a physical component. Who's, uh, who's running Hardcore Underground now? Is it just you? Um, I, I like, co-own it with, with John Goulding. Um, yeah. Yeah, we've um, we've run it together for can't remember now. It's about 11, 12 years, I think. Yeah, the actual um, the actual company, and um, obviously Nick's been a big part of that. Plenty of other people have been big parts of that, um, and the team that sort of come together to make all the projects over the years. Um, is that is that still the uh, the current structure? Yeah, at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't really see like uh, CDJ like. Yeah, he hasn't got much visibility anymore. So he's more of like in the background. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, sort of uh, on the business side of things more than, um, he's obviously never been an artist. So um, the the business side has always been me and him that's sort of taken the forefront on that. Um, obviously Nick's involved in all the sort of artistic decisions and stuff as well. And we, Nick and I sort of oversee a lot of the, um, the musical side of what's going to happen and kind of come up with concepts and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's still, still doing quite well um, in terms of the, the uptaking people that are, are buying things on the store and new customers and stuff like that, which is surprising considering there's no parties going on. You know, we've noticed there's still new people buying things and people coming in and picking up bits and pieces that maybe they've missed over the years. So it's kind of encouraging, like, and, you know, I don't think um, the sort of global hardcore community has forgotten about albums. Certainly not. Are you looking forward to like a uh, like a renaissance of gigs and parties and everything like that when it all kicks off? Like, like no one's going to want to stay in, you know. So there'll be more work for you guys, right? I'm looking forward to getting back to the gigs and stuff. I don't know. It's hard to tell. You yeah, don't know, I don't know whether there's going to be loads of gigs or not. That's the thing. I mean. I'm looking forward to playing out again, but I don't know how I'm going to feel after like a couple of gigs. I mean, it might, I might go back to normal and feel like, oh, <laughs> I'm, re- I'm really glad that like um, you guys didn't go down the like conspiracy route, you know, because I've seen online definitely like people where their livelihood has been taken away by COVID. Um, yeah. they, they've definitely like, instead of just accepting that like you know you know my livelihood's been taken away just accepting that they're like no 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 this is definitely a conspiracy (laughs) yeah i mean it's it's hard but um yeah i think unfortunately um it would be nice to have somebody to blame for the fallout um but it's affected so many people and you know we're far from the worst off losing the gigs and things like that things could be a lot worse so yeah i mean i'm not personally a conspiracy theorist but i kind of do understand why some people want to believe that it's all kind of a plan to to do this that and the other yeah if it, if it was i don't if, agree with them yeah if it was your main source of like income then um then it would be easy to like be like you know you'd want to find a reason why it was all bullshit mm. or something like that but i think it's just like it's just one of those things isn't it yeah but we've had this we've had this conversation before about social media and stuff like 
how far do you go with your personal sort of views on things like that and how much of that do you talk about you know on social media and what's this kind of effect of it we tend to keep most of our opinions to ourselves now i was quite bad for a while at kind of ranting about things politically certainly um actually yeah i do remember you being a bit like that actually yeah so you decided to tone it down and just just be all about the uk hardcore (laughs) yeah i i do come across um as a condescending twat on some of the posts I haven't got that vibe from the podcast. That's not so you're all entirely good. <laughs> unjustified because I've, I've read back things that I've, when I've ranted at people, just things that I've kind of maybe, you know, been really passionate about. I feel people haven't um, kind of seen things the same way as me. And instead of just sort of letting it go, I did used to kind of get quite ranty on there about four or five years ago, um, which I don't think did me or anybody else any favours. So, yeah, we kind of just keep our uh, our politics inside. Yeah, just I, uh, like it, the negative comments and things like that. Like I, I even yesterday I read somewhere it was like if you want to have a like much happier life on social media, just don't click the comments at all. Do you know what I mean? Just mm. read the article, look at the funny video. Just just don't bother with the comments. But like you're only human. You're like ah, oh, yeah. Let's see what this person said about this. You know. That's it. And there's so much, re- there's so many resources out there now. Like I don't pretend for a minute to be like massively well read on anything. So whilst I can sit and, you know, you can, we can sit there and say, yeah, this is ridiculous. And this is ridiculous. Like there is, you know, we're not any kind of authority on stuff like that. So I don't think we should be talking like one either, you know? Well, being as you guys are like really good producers, like the times when you should be like that is maybe your music posts, right? Then you can sky and kind of back up your claims, you know. Depends what you're talking about when it comes. To- <laughs> yeah. What, what about yeah, if someone's slagging hard, off breakbeat hardcore? You See, but even then, I probably wouldn't say anything because they probably just they genuinely probably don't like it. So yeah. you know, they they can't yeah, help it. Wrong, but yeah, if, unless it was something else like oh, you know, they said something along the lines of oh, I think I think breakbeat hardcore is shit because. And then obviously you can jump in and say something, but yeah. they just go, then it's just shit, isn't it, to them? It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Nick, you don't strike me as like the confrontational type. So No, uh, not at all. No. I, just, you know I, I, bet, I bet you just do as you're told at home, right? <laughs> I, I stay quiet, mate. That's what I do. Yeah. I zip it and go under the radar. <laughs> okay. Is that, the same for you? Is that the same for you, Gaz? Um. Yeah, I'm definitely a much more serene person than I used to be. I, I used to be Mr. Angry about all sorts of things, and I'd be very, like, <laughs> confrontational about particularly with gigs and stuff like that, if I felt like we were kind of being, um, not sabotaged, but, like, if people tried to mess about and change our set times at the last minute and stuff like that, I would always be very... Argh. But we've kind of we've mellowed in our old age, haven't we, Nick, I think? Yeah, but they, they were just, you know, they were justified, though. You know, some of those set time changes were ridiculous, weren't they, really? Yeah, people, it's just, it used to happen from time to time. You'd sort of get messed around and, you know, you'd, you'd plan your evening and everything. Obviously, Nick's got three kids there and, you know, childcare and things like that. And, you know, a wife who's working. So you'd kind of plan the weekend and stuff like that. And then at the 11th hour, you know, you'd get a phone call to say that somebody had decided that they didn't want to do that set time anymore and they wanted our set time. And it would kind of throw everything up in the air. So <clears throat> I used to be a bit, you know, scream down the phone at people and stuff like that, but not anymore. It's strange. Like I, I listen to 
a lot of different podcasts because I'm like trying to like become better at podcasting and they're really varied in their style. So some of them are like pretty easy going and then some of them like ask deliberately like confrontational questions. So like in this instance, I'd be like, yeah, who was it? Who's pissing you off and who changed this and that? But I, you know, I don't think I'm going to go down that route. You know what I mean? Nah, it's, it's, you know what? I, I don't want to. You know what I mean? Like as well. And that's yeah. probably where I was. We used to be maybe a little bit kind of, you know, it, it would feel like somebody was out to get us at that point when actually probably they just had their own reasons for needing to change their set time. And you didn't see it from that point of view, because, you know, at that point, all that mattered was you wanted to do your thing and, you know, something was getting in the way of it. But yeah, no, we, um, we tend not to be sort of angry or ranty anymore because it's yeah. just, we, we just kind of do what we do and that's our thing. And if people want to, you know, support it, then they can. If they don't want to, then happy days. You know, there's plenty of other things to do. Yeah. Well, like, I suppose you, no matter what set time you have these days, you'd still get paid the same amount. Is that right? So, yeah. I don't think we've ever had a sliding <laughs> scale like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, just like, like, I don't like, I, I, there's been loads of gigs where I haven't been paid. So I've been like, hopefully I get. Or loads of gigs. I haven't even had loads of gigs. Listen to me, like talking like I've like this amazing DJ. But like, uh, if I wasn't really getting paid or anything like that, I'd probably want a better slot. But I guess because you guys are, it's your actual job, job. Like, it doesn't really matter, does it anymore? I, mean, I don't know. We've, I've always said it's. I mean, it's the promote. I mean, in the end, the promoter it's their night. I mean, they can do what they want, really. You know, it's yeah. not for us to say. You know, oh we want this set time, we want that set time. I mean, they, they, they're they the ones that pay the DJs, you know. There were definitely some DJs and MCs and stuff which do do that, right? Oh, yeah, there is. Everybody, <laughs> yeah, there are. But, but there is. Particularly now, genre. I think, if we get booked to play anywhere um, and they want to stick us on for the first set, then we'll just turn up and play what we consider to be the best warm-ups that we can do, you know, even yeah. if we feel like we've been around longer than whoever's playing at midnight or whatever, then like Nick said, at the end of the day, it's the promoter's event. They can, you know, we're being employed to do a job for them. It's not up to us to tell them how we want to do that job. If we don't, if we've got specific things then we shouldn't take the booking. So I used to have this, you know, when the promoter of the event would give themselves like the one o'clock in the morning set time or something like that. When I was like uh, a less informed raver kind of thing, I used to be like, Oh, they shouldn't do that because like, you know, cause they're not the best DJ on the lineup. And then after promoting a couple of my own events, I was like, they can fucking do what they want. Yeah, <laughs> like anyone that is your line and I've worked my fingers to the bone. Yeah. The least I'm going to do is give myself a decent set time. Yeah. I think that's. Yeah. I'm like, they should give themselves okay. the very best set time because promoting an event and getting people in the door and org- organizing a bunch of DJs to be at certain times at, at a venue. It's like, it's an absolute nightmare. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I've got a, good ad- a, a, lot of ad- <laughs> a lot of admiration for people who do run events and then don't do that. You know, there's, there's quite a lot <clears throat> in the scene who don't um, yeah. and have started themselves off at the bottom of the flyer and kind of work their own way up and stuff. So, yeah, it's um, promoting is not something we've massively enjoyed over the years. Is so. it something that you uh, that you might do moving forward? Because, I mean, if everyone does actually go oh, we're all going to be out, out. Like, is it something that you might do, like hardcore underground events or anything like that? Well, the last few we've been involved with have been the hardcore heaven things in America that we did. Um, mm. 
in LA, which were uh, that was the last thing we did right before um, everything went to shit last year. So, um, yeah, the whole Chronograph events, I think the last one we did was a couple of years ago. I don't know. I, I don't really enjoy promoting at all. No. Um, and I find that it blurs the lines a little bit between who we are as um, producers and stuff. And I don't like putting that promoter hat on, really. Um, we've done it in the past because we felt it's necessary and to give a platform to people that we're trying to work with and obviously what we're trying to do as well. But um, in terms of like time and money versus reward, I wouldn't say it was um, something we've got the skill set to kind of make the most of, really. No, and because it's a bit of a pain in the ass, right? Yeah, massively. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we haven't um, we haven't put the hours in that other people have put in to learn all the little tips and tricks and things that you can do to kind of make your life easier so um, who who was um running the hardcore heaven events in the usa then we did them with um some of the local guys over there yeah uh, good friends of ours danny and and mark who've um they were involved in the hrd usa things there a few yeah. years ago as well um and they've run good parties over there for like literally 15 20 years so they know the score um, obviously they're plugged in on the ground over there they've got flyer teams and stuff like that so we've just um we've wanted to take the brand over there and kind of you know have it time with the albums and that and um yeah they've, they've both been luckily very successful and we were really lucky with the last one because literally three weeks later and we would have fallen um into the california lockdown they were talking about COVID, wait would you, would you yeah. have had to stay in the usa then or I don't know. What's the deal? No, I don't know if we'd have been trapped there, but we'd have certainly had to pull the event. Ah, yeah. okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. That would have been a nightmare. Um, so yeah, we were kind of lucky with that. Yeah, we were saying, weren't we, not so long ago that we went for breakfast because um, Jacobin and Max Wolf were over there with us doing the, the Harco Evan album thing, and we went and sat in Denny's for like two hours, and I don't think COVID came up in the conversation once. I don't think mm. we even paid any. But there were people walking around with masks in the airport. So I remember when we were at the airport. And yeah. It, yeah. It, they were talking about it, but like there were people just wandering around with masks on them. We were thinking to ourselves, God, actually, we better get be a good time to get home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's get out of Dodge. You know what I mean? I was still in my swine <laughs> flu denial stage at that point. I think I was like, oh, it's just going to be like swine flu. You know, it will be this big thing and everything, you know, in two weeks time, everyone would have forgotten about it and nothing would have happened. I remember um bang the bang face weekender was like the last big kind of event and uh my mate off he was like man you gotta to come to this and i just i just passed it off because bang face just you can go uh, out next week right <laughs> yeah. yeah i i just i was just thinking uh bang face is quite a toll on the body i know you guys played at bang face was it the same time when i did Thing. yeah it was it was actually yeah. 2018 i think it was yeah yeah that, that was yeah and i that think that, that's what i mean like I, I they gave me dave skywalker he gave me a chalet and um my set time was on the sunday i think same same place as yours and um and i just caned it from, from friday or thursday night non-stop and just by Sunday, I just had a glum face you know i was like i just shouldn't have done that you know <laughs> and then so when the, when the last rave I'd say the bank face weekend was the last raid before lockdown. Big raid. It's just I had to pass it off. I had too many memories of God. That was just 
it was too much of a toll on the body. <laughs> I think we got a chalet, didn't we, when we went there last? Yeah. Is that when I think Big Worm played the year we played as well? And Scott Bryan. Uh, no, he was there. I think he was there. You see, I remember him telling me that I oh, would love to play at this. And then I think the year later, he played it. Yeah. But that was, I think we went in and had a bit of a night out. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was good. I, yeah. I love those parties. I, I remember when the flyer came out and it was too unlimited and napalm death on the same. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of event is this? Yeah, that we've been booked for. Yeah, it was brilliant. Really, really good. Crowd. Well, when when you go to Bangface, you, it kind of reminds you of what hardcore raves used to be like. If that does that make sense? Like because it, it's more like people just dress however they want, do whatever they want. It's more like silly, stupid kind of vibe. Like just just yeah, definitely a real kind of cross section yeah. of people there, which is what hardcore events used to be when I first started going out. There was way more mix of kind of everybody from every walk of life mm. was there yeah definitely but i remember brisk played at one probably about i don't know maybe 2010 when it was in london and it was when they used to do like the signs and the inflatables and yeah yeah like yeah that. i remember he came back from that and said he was like mate it's like it was like a time warp it was really kind of you know the original vibe is still alive in these kind of parties and that so like you got you got to watch out you got to watch out that like someone's inflatable lilo doesn't like twat you in the face yeah. but like yeah for me like a bang face feels like what hardcore raves used to feel like like i'm not saying you can't hardcore raves are like bad now but i i don't really go to that many but yeah bang face just felt like it didn't really matter what music was playing like it was just it didn't really matter at all people weren't like i want to go to this arena i want to go to this arena instead they're just like i'm going to stay here and just enjoy it you know yeah that was really good we played a bit of everything and i remember saying um when we came off the decks there was like five or six people outside the little thing you know the room that we played in there was like a little gate yeah yeah over the side and there was five or six people waiting when we came off. And I said to Nick, oh, there are people who know who we are here. They must have come like <laughs> hardcore people. And then we went over and all five of them were just like, what is this you've been playing? What's what's this music called? And that was that was probably the best thing about it. Because yeah. there weren't people who knew we were at all. They were just randoms who'd kind of wandered in and were just like, whoa, you know, what is this music? Oh, definitely. So yeah. it, was random music, wasn't it? it wasn't just like, you know, what we were playing. It was just like, a mixed bag like we played after guys playing drum and bass and you would yeah. have thought like normally that was like you you the room would empty mm. you know if we had, like played at a drum bass do and like came on and played hardcore it would probably empty but everybody that was in that room just stayed there no matter what yeah yeah it was just like it was like they just wanted to have a nice time piss about with their mates and the music was kind of like background but not it was weird like mm. when, when when i started my set i um I was super nervous because I was obviously feeling massive amounts of anxiety from being hung over and like it was crippling, like just heart rate going through the roof. But yeah, the first couple of tracks I like played freeform and then I was like, these people don't give a shit what I play. So I started playing like a bit of drummer bass, bit of breaks, bit of whatever. And just like, yeah, it was great. And it was like, that's the way it should be. Right. Yeah. Definitely. I would love to play sets like that. Yeah. Mm. Do you, do you guys sneak some breaks in when you're playing like the main hardcore ones? Are you like just whack this in here? We have done on the odd occasion, haven't we? Like, yeah. not, we I used to actually like, way um, more probably than what yeah. we do now. Although I think that will probably change when we go back because yeah. we've written so much of it. And I think a lot of what we've done in the last year, although it is still very much on the breakbeat tip, I think we've written it quite 
song based some of it as well so that will kind of fit a bit better with what we've done but yeah god we had um we don't often listen back to our sets but we we put one on the um on the usb a year or two ago when we were going somewhere and it was one of the first west fests we did 2012 i think and we played like four breakbeat tunes in the main arena which was <laughs> probably suicide in terms of like getting a reaction that sounds that like ride. sounds like you're a wet dream nick playing an all breakbeat set <laughs> I, do, you know, I, I like the breakbeat side. I, I, I just like it all. You know, you know, hardcore's kind of that thing where you kind of got the break side. You've got that freeform side. You can play a gabber track. You can play something that's got you know big kicks and and just you know just rave sounds in it. And that's what I like about it. It's just the freedom to do it. And that, and that applies to the DJ side as well. I'd love to be able to do what we do producing wise and actually apply that to the DJ side as well and actually be able to play across the board. It would just be obviously nice to do that, but we understand that obviously when you play at certain events, that certain people, um, some people like certain things, some people don't like certain things. So you have to try and balance it out. Yeah, because so, was... they pay to see you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if somebody's, if we've been playing a certain, you know, um, set of tracks for a few months, and then somebody comes to see us, and then we just suddenly turn up and play an hour of breakbeat things that they've never heard of. Yeah, they're going to be pretty disappointed. So we kind of don't want to annoy people in that sense either it's hard isn't it you have you have to like mix it up because like i'd like if you if i went to like a classic trance event or something like that i'd just want to hear anthems yeah i mean just want to hear anthems but then you probably don't want to hear anthems because there probably are loads of good records that you don't know that you do that you would own you would want to hear if you knew they existed and the only person who's going to show you those tracks exist is the dj so yeah i think as part of you've got you've got a kind of give people what they want, but also give them a little bit of what you think they might want as well. You know, did you find, did did you find like, um, like, are there a lot of people producing hardcore at the moment? Like, I I know you guys are pretty uh, prolific. Like, uh, like you seem to, there seems to be a steady kind of flow of uh, tracks from you guys, but is it like, is it the same elsewhere throughout hardcore at the moment? I think yeah. I think there is still plenty. There's always been plenty of producers in hardcore, I think. But I think it's mainly the platform. It's you just they just don't have platform to showcase it because there is you know when I go on my Facebook, there's always someone putting a hardcore track up. But then that could be just because my algorithm's just showing me well. Damn you, algorithm! It's yeah, five it's a- other people that still make it. No, I think it's quite good actually. There's there's actually quite a lot going on. Um, particularly just like around the world as well, like the Japanese stuff at the minute, it's really good. There's loads of people who were kind of sending stuff through that's actually like the finished article. Do you know what I mean? Really, really good records. I think we put a few on um, last podcast we did by people we'd literally never heard of yeah. before. A guy called so- Fumi, who's got a track out on uh, Justice Hardcore and people like that, Relect and people. Um, did, did you did you guys attempt the, uh, the Come Running Save Me remixes? Did you Did you dabble? Did you? No, I, I haven't. No, I did I'm see it. Say, but... I haven't downloaded the parts yet. No. Okay. Yeah. I was no, like, as much, I think as much as I love both those tracks, I don't think um, anybody needs to hear us start playing a, a remix of them as well because I think it's going to be. But can you imagine how many like people are going to be playing those like remixes? Yeah. When oh, do you know happen? what? Like, uh, in case Darren ever comes on this podcast, Darren, like, <laughs> um. 
I, I come running. You should, it just used to drive me mad. And like, and then when I saw that go up the other day, I was like, I am just, it's, it's gonna, I'm going to be inundated with them appearing on my feed now. And it's like, I don't really go to UK hardcore raves anymore. I pick and choose my events because I always like to go and get really smashed at certain raves. So it's, it's far and few between. But I'm like, man, now I'm going to be listening to Come Running for the next couple of years again. Do you know what I mean? The thing is, it's actually a great is. record. That's the thing. Yeah. It's actually a great record. You know what? Make a really nice, you should do a really nice breaks remix of it. <laughs> I, I think it's the same. It's, unfortunately, certain tracks suffer from their own success. And it, that is such a brilliant record. It's so catchy, so well written. Um, but I think it's like what was that hazard track? Brick, is it bricks don't roll? Bricks don't for roll, back. and Mr. Yeah, Happy as well. But I, Mr. do you know Happy. what? I, I still really like though. listening to Mr. Happy. Yeah, but that's what I mean. They're, they're also <laughs> great records. Like Come Running and Like Say, they're brilliant records. But just for that period of time, there was a certain you know you would hear bricks don't roll six or seven times a night at a drum and bass event. Yeah, and after a while, it's just like, oh come on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's not. You know, that's not necessarily the fault of the person who made them, is it? You know, if everybody, if they are popular and they get that reaction, then, you know, people just kind of want to play stuff that, that gets the floor going. So I understand so, why it happens, but I think, you know, unfortunately for, for that track, it just maybe did get played a little bit too much. Yeah, I just I just don't want to hear any, like, I don't want to hear any more bad come running remixes, you know? <laughs> yeah. But then I say that, like, if we if we wrote a record that was that big, like we wouldn't want people to play it. Of course we would, you know, I'd love to have a record that was as overplayed as that. <laughs> so, you know, it's, um, it's easy to sort of forget just what a good tune it is. I yeah. Think. Cause you get those, those nineties artists, don't you? Who like them, like Daniel Bedingfield and stuff like that. And they made, they made that one hit record. Um, also D DD that forever track. And, yeah. and she, those artists have managed to completely make a living off that like you know because it was so big so they managed to just ride on the coattails of that but you kind of feel like i bet you when the rednecks go and perform cotton eye joe for the millionth time at a nightclub in watford or something do you think they're dying a little bit inside when they do that or do you think they're like hey we're getting paid for this (laughs) I, i don't know it's hard again like i we see a lot of these artists about like doing the nineties stuff, and like. But I don't. Do they do it week in, week out? I don't think they do. I think it's like here and there. But we just see it. Because it's that damn algorithm again. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, do, do you reckon Are they get annoyed by the right? I don't know. I don't know how much of this I could sort of say without. Um, but we we've done a track with somebody who had a a hit in the nineties, didn't we? Um, yeah. It was a number one hit actually. Um, and that's kind of like their their big successful track. And we just, out of the blue, a few years ago, we kind of just contacted a bunch of people. We ended up doing a track with um, Rowetta from the Happy Mondays and stuff, just purely because we had the cheek to ask, I guess. Yeah. Um, and a certain number of them came back to us and we ended up doing some bits together. But this particular artist had a track and like they're sort of only known really for this one tune. And it's it must be really quite frustrating because having met them and spoken to them like they've done all this other amazing stuff some of which never got released they ended up getting into you know sort of record label wars and stuff like that and it was it's really sort of sad to hear from somebody that you know obviously has and has given a lot more you know writing for other people and stuff to to end up being that kind of sort of one hit wonder and yeah i don't know 
like the rednecks. I remember they, they did a follow-up, didn't they, that sounded almost identical. It was called like called like Bob and IMO or something like that. Old old man in it. Old yeah. Pop in an Oak is what Pop, it was called. Yeah, and it was like it's like yeah, I just I felt bad for them because like I I made and obviously they're getting paid for their performance, but they just have to keep carrying the enthusiasm with that song over and over again. Yeah. And like they must have played that like at to people like i don't know two hundred thousand times or something like that Probably. it's yeah. a lot but you gotta have that enthusiasm but then i guess if you just think about the money i guess you can get through it right well that's it I suppose there's worse things you can be reward. doing i suppose yeah there's worse things you could be doing i'm not getting yeah definitely i mean i in my normal job i'm an insurance broker so you know i'd rather be performing cotton eye joe in a nightclub in watford <laughs> than breaking insurance in case my boss watches this, I love insurance. It's amazing. But yeah. It's a bit of a hashtag first world problems, isn't it? Oh, my record is just too successful. Why do people keep booking me to play it? <laughs> yeah, you exactly. Know. What would you, uh, what, what, what's your most successful record? Mm-hmm. You don't know. I don't know. I actually don't know. If you there pass into one, YouTube. more than others. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you put our names into YouTube, I think the most viewed things, most of them are actually drum and bass things, breakbeat things. Okay. Um, purely because we just had a few things featured on a, do you know the uh, channel Liquidity? Yes, I uh, oh, yeah. absolutely love that label. Yeah, so we had a few things when it was actually in its infancy before it was a record label. Yeah. Um, and we had a track on the record label when that started. But yeah, so some of them have got like insane views. Um, I don't know what our most successful track is. We did have, we did a remix of a track for a really talented guy. I think he's from South Korea called Red Moon. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Called Never Let Go, which is a really, really brilliant um, trance track. And we did a remix of that, which for a while, that was like everywhere we went, people said, oh, are you going to play that? And it got to the point where we kind of started thinking we, we want to stop playing this now. Yeah. And then yeah. people did come up to us a couple of times. Like, oh man, I can't believe you didn't play that tune. Like I was waiting for you guys. And you the the like, vocal oh, on that tracks and me and me and Transcend uh, remixed that as well. Um, yeah. And uh, just it's that vocal. It's just like it's just beautiful. It's just it's just yeah. lovely. Um, She's got a great voice, and it was yeah that was that was the closest I think we've come in recent years to having something where it was sort of people liked it so much that we wanted to stop playing it and felt like we couldn't for a bit. Have you thought about getting uh, getting Red Moon involved on any more future projects or anything like that, or is that like done with that? I think he does uh, um, like house stuff now, doesn't he? He's more on the EDM tip, like okay. Sort of we did do another remix for him. We did a track called Heavyweight as well, which was was a that was pretty big, strong tune. Yeah, yeah. It's that it's those lovely vocals, which like which you know that it's just yeah, it really really suits like the hardcore demographic. Those kind of vocals, because I think actually I don't know well. It should be all right to say, but I'm someone contacted <laughs> us to, to actually do like a wedding version of that tune for their wedding. Yeah, and they yeah. sent this video for it. I'm no joke. This video looks amazing. Like they've obviously Did you do it? it yeah, yeah. They're from New Zealand, I think they were. They, they, yeah, I think they're from New Zealand. How do you start a wedding remix? Is it like lots of pianos and nice little synths? Yeah, and... it was just like we just <laughs> put, <laughs> took the music. <laughs> <laughs> like lots However of pads right imagining it goes that's how it goes i can exactly i get because I, I think alf technical he i remember he uh got married to he made his own wedding versions of getting better by darren styles and 
another one. And he walked down the aisle, uh, walked down the, because he gave him away for free on his SoundCloud. And like, no I was like, I had to do one years and years ago. I did one. There was a mate of mine was getting married and he wanted um, Blow Me Away by Lisa Abbott. Do you know that track? I do remember that. Yeah. Many, many, many years ago. But I used to do quite a lot of stuff with this. So I managed to um, get in contact and get her to re-record. And I did the same sort of thing for that. And just sort of did this kind of candlelight version of that track. Yeah, this is, I think it's good though. I think it's actually quite a credit to to hardcore and some of the people that have written songs over the years. It's things like getting better and stuff. I mean, the the songs, even if you take the hardcore element out of them, they're brilliant songs. Yeah. So the fact that you can turn them into kind of you know first dance ballads and that's testament to songwriting. I think. When they went out wedding, so we've actually we've actually been booked to play at a wedding once. And they asked us to play a hardcore set. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That who's was, who's willing was that? Or... I, I, actually, I actually can't remember, but it was. It hey, was a gig's a, pretty... a gig, right? <laughs> yeah, well, we were quite, quite a few years ago, but um, yeah, I mean, we ended up playing like um, like happy hardcore, like, and they all yeah. got on the dance floor with, like their glow sticks and stuff. Yeah, it was that was the maddest. We've only ever done one. I think we might have been offered one afterwards, and we turned it down. Why did Why did you turn it down? Because it was a bit weird. The one we did was really good. It was really good fun, but it was it, there was an element of this isn't what we do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was, it was really good and they were, they were really happy to see us, but there must've been like, I don't know, 70 people in the room when we arrived. And then within about 30 seconds of us starting, there were like the 30 odd people that him and his mates and wife who wanted the hardcore and like Nan was up out of the room. You know what I mean? You couldn't see it for dust. Yeah. What was so this? It was bit... It's so punchy, like hardcore, isn't it? Like, it, that's why drum and bass always is is more accessible because you play drum and bass loud. It's not it doesn't interfere with you as much as a four four kick, does it? You know. No, I think we started with like a Paul Elstat record, didn't we? Like Rainbow High in the Sky or something. So yeah, there's a few old like school bits. Full on kick often. drum from like the start. Yeah. So weddings are, weddings are off the table now. Yeah. No, well, who knows? You know, it depends what the uptake's like. For, what about what about funerals or working men's clubs or anything like that? <laughs> <laughs> like, do you have do you have a line? Like, or are you like after, after dinner speaking? Maybe we could do you know just a few tales of uh, <laughs> lifting the wrong needle off the record in between candlelight versions of Never Let Go. I honestly don't know. No, I think working men's clubs are uh, a dying breed, dying yeah. thing. I was, I was going to ask you actually like um project wise like all your previous tracks before covid as you said it's like three hours whether were you always sitting in the studio together or are you now just sending the project across project goes back i work on the project and it just flips back and forth yeah more so in recent times it's been like throwing um, projects back mm -hmm. and forth but there was i mean the early stuff we, we did do stuff together in the same room Okay. Yeah, I, mean, I think balancing that we, we, we did almost everything was finished in the same room, even if we'd mm. done bits prior. Um, the last time we did a whole album project together was the last artist album we did, which was Greetings from the Edge. We we wrote it back and forth and changed bits, and then we we came and we spent like three or four days, didn't we, mixing it down? Yeah. And just going over everything again, just polishing it all. Even the um, mastering as well. We went down to London to get it all mastered and stuff. And where where did you yeah. get it mastered? It uh, was Metropolis. Yeah, Metropolis. That's it. Okay. Do you walk in Metropolis and you're like, 
Holy shit. <laughs> this is uh it's, yeah, it is like it's that. De- it is decent. Yeah. It's um the guy who's mastered those two, he mastered diversions for us as well, um, which was the album before that. It's Andy Hippie Baldwin, his name is. Yeah. And he's like we were just, you know, for people like us who are musos and that, and we've kind of never really been in that sort of like sort of same space as the people that were like he had underworld in there the day before we were in there yeah and oh yeah carl was saying this you know when i was doing the underworld thing, <laughs> just, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, all right yeah okay just, just just dropping a few names in there you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah oh yeah I'm, i mean they do like you know but i think he'd had he had noel gallagher in there um and the room that we mastered diversions in is the room where the verve wrote urban hymns do you know what i mean recorded pretty sweet symphony in that studio and stuff and it's just kind of like and it's a like, different level. It's like a window into a world that you know, you yeah, know, just dream of. Do you think people appreciate the you going the extra mile, like going to somewhere like Metropolis? Like your fan base? I'd like to hope so. Yeah. Or, or, or is it kind of just for you guys? Like, you know, we're gonna get this, we're gonna get this done right. Well, the reason we did that is because they will um whilst it's massively expensive and it's really probably not um, a financially sound decision to make, they will also master for vinyl for free if you go in and do the full sessions with them for the, for the digital side. So both of those albums were slated. We didn't end up doing it in the end for the for Greetings from the Edge, but for Diversions, it was cut to 12 inch as well. Um, okay. So you can kind of just about make back what it's cost in the mastering on the profit margin of the vinyl. And we really just wanted to do a vinyl because, you know, we had uh, Ollie Brown, MCA, he does, um, has done the artwork for all of our artist albums. And he just did this really kind of cool, um, it's almost like a sort of scratch mark with like four colored. I saw that. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. And we really liked that. So we just wanted a vinyl with it on basically. And um, is, is vinyl like, uh, is it, and is it an option for you guys anymore like with everything going all digi like it feels like it's partly gone back like people buy more vinyl these days but it's still not quite there right i don't it's hard though in hardcore isn't it because there is an old school market in the sort of mm. hardcore side which is selling well but i don't know whether how, how that translates into modern stuff like that's the thing i mean maybe on the breakbeat side yeah I always see three star uh, AD like he's like buying everyone's vinyl. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's like, well, on he loves vinyl, and obviously, he again, he he owns Hectic Records now. So uh-huh. um, yeah, he he's sort of fully on the side of pushing new music or at least new remixes and stuff and new music onto vinyl. His well, missus must hate him, right? Sorry, his missus must hate him. Like, oh, oh it's fucking vinyl again. Like, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, no, you've done quite a lot of stuff for them, haven't you, Nick? This year and last year, yeah, done, yeah. they've done really cool, like coloured vinyls. I've, I've actually got a couple of tracks coming as well, but they, I just need to finish uh, the B side for it. But that side of things, I think, um, as time goes on, has got legs. Um, we've got some breakbeat bits coming out as well on vinyl for one of the um, for Lazarus, which is DJ Deluxe. He's taken some of the bits. Um, that I've done with Paul Parker, some of the breakbeat things. And I know he's got an eye on kind of doing some other bits um, with us lot as well. Like the, so, this, this isn't me um, slagging off uh, Night Force, by the way. I'm not doing that in any way, if anyone from Night Force listens to this. But they, they've got their 
their vinyl covers like a couple of them not all of them and they just got like basic writing like volume two on them and do you know why those guys do that because you could really if you've got a big piece of uh artwork potential you could really go to town on that right i don't know it's, i suppose it's a cost thing isn't it in the end it must be I, I can't think. And why I do you... think the old there's something to be said for the old school aesthetic as well. Like, because yeah. I do think that I do think that's part of the reason. Definitely, I I like the idea of getting a white label through the post with just like bam, yeah, volume one stamped on it. Do you know, like it used to be like economics EP or something like that. Just something really random. And I like the sort of collectible element of it as well. I think I'm not sure what the units are that they do. I know it's obviously hundreds, not thousands, but. You know, the fact that you can put anything out as a 12-inch single now in the in the rave sphere and sell 300 copies of it, I think it's pretty impressive. Yeah, because like um, I say a couple of years ago, but it's more than a couple of years ago now. Like vinyl shops are pretty much sharp shop, like especially in Manchester. They just, just there wasn't anything for it. But now people are like, mm, I want something tangible. I want to like um, I've been around a few hip hipstery mates' houses and they've got like an old style record player and a couple of records. Yeah. Oh, Nick, I think you got a message. Is that me? Who is that? I have no <laughs> idea, but you know what? I'm going to close I'm that muted. video. There you go. Bye-bye. It's okay. Yeah, I, got... it's, I think it was last year, might be 2019, time's gone so quick, but I think they sold more vinyl that year than they had done for any year since 1996. So it was definitely 25 getting on for 25 years since those kind of sales figures have been hit so yeah there's something to be said like if you go and tesco and that now they've kind of repressed you know like all the smiths albums and dark side really of which tesco yeah, are yeah. you going to one in kettering <laughs> wow kettering must be like a hub for like vinyl enthusiasts well a lot of things um feel like taking a step back into the 70s when you go out in kettering but that, that's definitely <laughs> That's definitely deliberate, that one. Yeah, no, honestly, there's loads of like classic albums that have kind of been repressed. And I've seen those same things that you're on about in the sort of indie shops, the little kind of retro looking record players and that. Yeah. And then you've got like uh, hipstery friends who's got like this bag of old records. And they're like, yeah, let's just put on some records, man. And it's kind of nice, actually. Yeah. But um, yeah, man. <laughs> so <laughs> what's... Um, What's your future plans? We we got, what's the next step for you guys? I know it's uh, without sounding boring. I suppose it's more this more of the same. It's, it's more music, <laughs> yeah. Know, know, so, let's yeah, just make loads more, of it. That sounds really boring. It's like no, it's going to do more music. <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty much more the same. More Nick, projects. you just got you just can't stop making it, can you? You like you've pretty much collabed and been on every single label there is, right? Uh, well. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I don't, you know, I'll probably still do music, even like when I'm an old geezer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's we're still trying stoke. to push our. We do still really enjoy it. You know, I think that's the ultimate thing. Like, if you, um, if you can, like I said before, if you're going to do something like this for a living, you might as well kind of dedicate the most part of your time to kind of doing stuff that you feel the most passionate about, and that for us is is hardcore in all its sort of form so yeah i mean we've got projects sort of slated for the rest of the year that we've got ideas about what we want to do yeah um you know we've got these two projects at the end of this month and uh, we've got a single coming out at the end of this month with june which was um, yeah. a nice collaboration to do um 
just yeah like more of the same but like always with an eye to kind of trying to do better than what we did last time you know so like the next artist album will hopefully be a step up from what we did the time before that and so on just like i kind of don't want to ever feel like we're phoning it in i always want to sort of be better than what we are are you guys getting a hotel for i love heartbeats or are you just getting off home you know before the carnage it's bristol in it'd be rude not to stay yeah maybe a couple of jars maybe a couple of jars uh wicked man um yeah that's awesome um okay so we'll wrap it up then so if it obviously your fan base will know all about brackets and darwin but uh where can anyone find all your music and get in contact with you guys or all the above guys you're better than this because i'll just like forget Come on, Gaz, go for it <laughs> um, okay up. so we're on all the usual places facebook.com uh, forward slash brackets and darwin at Fracas and Darwin on Insta and Twitter. Um, we're on SoundCloud. Obviously, check out hardcoreunderground.co.uk. Uh, we've got various labels on Bandcamp as well. We've got Brutal Cuts. Um, and we do stuff for Future Breaks, which is worth checking out. You can put them all in Google. Um, we're on Spotify. We're on YouTube. We're on everything. What about um, OnlyFans? You guys thought about doing OnlyFans? We do that under a different name. That's more <laughs> That's uh, taken off since lockdown. Do you know what? Like as much as I take the piss out of OnlyFans, like you could use OnlyFans for music, and you could be like, look, if you subscribe to my OnlyFans, you get free tracks every month. Do you know what I mean? I, I honestly say so I don't know exactly how it works. But... It, it's basically just uh, monthly, a bit like um, pay, patent, not patent. Oh, Patreon. Patreon. Yeah, Patreon. Yeah, yeah. Are you guys on Patreon? That was a hardcore underground thing. Yeah, we've got one for like the podcast and that, just if people want to kind of donate. We did do a couple of little, um, we did a thing like a similar sort of chat to this uh, with Vinyl Groover that was like a sort of feature length thing. And we put that up on there. And there's a Robbie Long interview and stuff like that that we didn't put up on our normal podcast stream. Um, I think we just asked for like a dollar every month or something like that if people wanted to donate. Because obviously, as you know yourself, um, doing podcasts and stuff is really fun but yeah i i really appreciate you i really appreciate you guys doing this because like you know i want this to be my full-time job one day (laughs) but well it's you're in the right um industry because it's like this i listen to podcasts all the time we've we've both kind of we after a while we sort of stopped listening to just music in the car when we're going to gigs and we stick things on and we've learned quite a lot about you know the world i think it's quite nice to chat to people and to hear other people that do similar sort of jobs chatting about what they do because you you do forget that you what you see on instagram and stuff like that is only the finished article that's only what people want you to see and it's kind of nice to see sometimes and hear that people have you want to hear the blood and and yeah well i think i didn't go too intrusive with you guys i didn't want to be like so who's a dick or i don't think i'm gonna go for that style but like uh, obviously, me and you, Nick, have a fair amount of dialogue recently because of the releases yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. But I, ne- I don't think I've ever had more than a five-minute conversation with you guys. So, no, maybe not. Maybe not. I don't um, think I have. Like just passing in the, you know, yeah. In, you know what I mean? And I'm always a bit. Um, if it's at gigs and things like that, I'm always quite happy to chat. But um, if it's if it's one of the gigs where we aren't staying around, um, we're usually just either on the way out or on the way in. So plus, you, plus, you can never hear someone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, I probably just thought you wanted to spit some bars in my ear, so <laughs> I made my excuses. And that has happened before. That happens plenty. Many occasions. Yeah. Well, was their aim to uh, showcase their <laughs> talent? Get on a Fracas and Darwin record. 
But I don't know. The, the thing is, most of the time, I don't know why, because we're not promoters, so we're not going to be able to put you on. And if it's on, we don't really do MC tracks, really. And it's probably only uh, have you done have you done any MC tracks? I think there might have been one, but or two, but maybe an MC singing on something. Like, say, yeah. for instance, like we did a track with MC Static, but that was like a, a house thing, like it, because he, he, he's a singer, songwriter as well. Um, but in terms of like MC track, I think we've only ever done one. Yeah. And that was a long, long time ago. But, I, you know, I'm being all like uh, people spit, but like at the end of the day, they probably just wanted us to just trying to get on. I've pestered people with demos and stuff yeah. back in the day. God, you know. So it's just. No, just people just trying to get on. Uh, have you have you ever have you ever sung on a track? Yeah, you. I can't, Nick. That's like the last thing for you to do, isn't it? On the Darwin checklist, you need to sing on your own track. Yeah, but the thing is, when you hate your voice like I do, you hate your like voice. voice. <laughs> you don't really want to hear it in any other form either. So okay. I kind of, I don't. The thing is, I, I don't think I'd be very good at it. Like. You know, you can hear stuff in your head sometimes. You don't you know? know. I've never heard you sing in all the years I've known you. I've never heard. And you there's a reason it. for it. We, yeah, but you, know, you, might, have, you might. Don't want to upset people. Horrible, but you might have these sort of <laughs> dulcet tones that are just like, you know. Maybe, maybe, maybe one day. Maybe one day. You just maybe do what, a go. You just do what like, Rick does, like, right? You sing something a hundred times, and then you get it into your program and then you pick the specific words which sound good and then you just take them and move them all together it only take you like half a day <laughs> yeah i know that yeah i don't know yeah i've done no, it like, not, I, you know, I've never been interested in it. and we ended up just spending hours and hours just like, i'm the same as nick i hate the sound of my voice so we've where we've done it we've kind of layered things up and auto-tuned things and stuff like that and I've made samples and stuff. There's samples on various tracks that people would never know was us, little rap bits. Yeah. A lot of the old next gen stuff um, that I did with Brisk, we kind of did our own rap samples and things. You'd sort of pitch it up, um, record it a few semitones higher than yeah. you wanted it, and then pitch it down so that it sounded a little bit more unrecognizable and distort it and glitch it up and stuff like that. When you've had a, like vocalists uh, have, and you've, you've wanted it to sound, have you had to sing it to them in a certain way to see if they'll sing it that way? Yeah, that's happened. Is that, is that a bit <laughs> weird when you have to do that? Yeah, I don't enjoy the... Um, we kind of uh, play in top-line melodies. When we write vocals for people, and we've had people in sessions, we kind of play in the top-line melody. And I'll almost like get the lyrics up on the screen and kind of do you know like the mickey mouse head used to go on the sing along <laughs> yeah, no you mean be like, like that rather than try and say oh what do you mean what do you mean and there has been a few occasions where i was going like this and just sort of yeah sing to jenna you know <laughs> how he's the go which is not not the coolest uh, feeling in the world when you've got well, a voice. Well, I, I uh, like I said, I can't. I, it's really uh, thanks for like talking to me and stuff. It's much appreciated. Like, this, also, I didn't. I did this like uh, I, I must admit. There's been times where I've been a little edgy because I've been drinking loads of coffee in the morning, like I normally do, and like on all the other ones, I've had a few beers. But I think I think it went okay. <laughs> it's good. It's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So hopefully we'll all be able to see each other and. Uh, I know we're going to work. We've got me and you've got a track which we've got to release, Nick. Yeah. 
And yeah, I'm hoping that we can work together and stuff because basically I'm quite good. I'm not so good at the music side of things, but I'm good at the promo side. So if you ever need me to push yeah. anything, I'm more than happy to do it for you. So I think that Mate, now you can I mean, yourself, you're welcome to take over all of our social media responsibilities. I find it so difficult. Like energy field, right? Have the logins. Energy field was literally just this project where I would release stuff which popped into my head. And then like, and then it became taking on more of like a, right, got to do the artwork, got to do all the socials, got to do small clips, long clips, like all that kind of stuff. And I was like, Jesus, uh, so it was supposed to be just for, just for a bit of fun, but it's, it's turned into something a tiny bit more than that. So, yeah, I think it going forward, I, you know, I can see a, because of COVID, I can see a lot of people working more together in the future as well when things start opening up a bit because i think there is this sort of like vibe in the air that actually you know since all the gigs we haven't had any gigs um that that there is going to be this uptake somewhere mm. you know in the scene so you know in the in the future i can actually see people sort of working together a bit more to kind of yeah, get we've said for a long time like going. what arco really needs i think um to to kind of find its feet again is for people to kind of work together a little bit more it's certainly what we've always tried to do is try and mm. build bridges between brands and artists and stuff like that a little bit more collective stuff and with covid i think you know as you say content is the is key with social media and stuff like that so we've we definitely like to do a bit more um in terms of like little interviews and things like that because we, we tend not to do it and yeah. we haven't done that much of it over the years you know it's just been the music and nothing else so well you did the you did the next gen podcast right but that was yeah. mo- mostly music a couple of adverts and i guess there was talking over the music and stuff but yeah this is more like the yeah this is more the long kind of form stuff so well the like i think the last um we've done 32 or 31 of the hardcore underground shows over the last seven or eight years we try, they're not like monthly or anything. They're just sort of every three months or every couple of months or whatever, depends on how much stuff we've got so that we feel we can put on there. Um, but I would say we talk on that less than we did when we started. And I went on our um, iTunes thing the other week just to see what the kind of the star rating and stuff was. And literally one of the comments was like, shut up. Like these, these podcasts are really good, but please stop talking. I'm like, God, that's like one of the more recent episodes where we barely talk at all. So yeah, he must really hate the early ones, right? He really must hate us. So I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It's probably better to just stick to the music with that side of things. It's weird though, like uh, the internet or just commenting behind the screen, like some, you, it, there may be genuine feedback, but you can't tell if it's genuine feedback or not. So you might have to just dismiss it, you know? It might just be a guy just being a dick that day, you know? Yeah, it could be. Yeah. But like, you might take it to heart and be like, Jesus Christ, you're in the shower in the morning. You're like, God, I've got to stop talking so much on these podcasts. <laughs> and it's like one guy has driven you, you know, made you think about that. If that was all I had to worry about, I'd be very happy. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we don't, I don't think we take any of it to heart, really. I tried, I don't think we read the comments on a lot of stuff, to be quite honest. I mean, if there's like an overriding theme of something, um, has gone wrong or has not been received as we hoped or whatever, then I think you'd hear about it. But nine times out of ten, I think, you know, we wouldn't put it out there if it wasn't how we wanted it to be, you know. Wicked, man. Well, um, yeah, like I said, I will see you, uh, I'll see you in a couple of months. But if you want me to promo any of this stuff, I'm more than happy to. So, 
Excellent. Send you some links. Uh, Save yeah. us a lot of time. Yeah. So, uh, right. I'm just going to stop recording. So we'll just.